Welcome to the Rainy Chumps podcast. Today we're interviewing Dave Clarity, aka 1I1I1II1. We're going to talk to Dave about his style trajectory, experience working for Arteryx, and the dynamics of online fashion communities, especially those around techwear. We'll also take a deep dive into acronym and try to understand the brand and its fans. We also want to announce that we're going to offer a first round of Raining Chumps merch soon. It'll consist of Raining Chumps hoodies in black and heather gray, made in Canada by Rupa. We're carefully choosing to sell products that we stand behind, and we wear tested these hoodies for almost a year before going into production. The material is a 400 GSM fleece, and it holds up well and breaks in well and the fit is perfect for wearing alone and layering. So keep an eye out on our social for more details on that. All right. Welcome, Dave. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Um, okay, so let's start with your background, specifically how you got into clothes. Yeah, I have a very vivid memory of when I first took interest in clothing. I... To kind of go back in time, I was in my sophomore year of high school, probably 250 or so. I was big, and I've always been tall, but I was much heavier. And I then had a summer away between my sophomore and junior year where I went canoeing. It was two 19-day canoe trips back-to-back out in Canada, out in where... uh, some mm. some of our, our homes, uh, and Arcteryx is home. Uh, and I got back, and I had shed, like, 50-some-odd pounds. I was, like, sub-200 over the course of a summer and needed to get all new clothes and was sort of just, like, looking at Uniqlo and Gap and J. Crew. And I was out to dinner with my friend Justin at a restaurant called Sugar and Spice in Cambridge, and the waitress came over and she was wearing what I now know to be a Comme de Garçon play button-up, heart and all. And I turned to my friend, and I was like, hey, do you know what you know what brand that is? Like, you know where I could get a shirt with a heart like that? And, uh, and he was like, yeah, that's, that's Comme de Garçon. Like, it's, you know, he, he knew what was up. And so I remember for my birthday that year, I asked my parents, I was like, the only thing I want is a Comme de Garçon play t-shirt. Like, that's the only thing that I want. Um, and they obliged. And I'm pretty sure it was like a fake one from eBay or something. But I respect I had Com- it. Yeah, exactly. So I had this Comme de Garçon play t-shirt. Um, and then from there, I was like more into kind of hype stuff and uh, was wearing reps. Can you imagine all, all these years later? What, what kind of reps? Oh, we're talking like straight garbage, like off-white and, uh, you know, uh, Fear of God, Vetman, Balenciaga. Like, it was right in that kind of twenty late 2015 boom of, of streetwear uh, and, and very much in the explore page uh, vein. I, I really wanted to kind of have the... I wanted to, like, be wearing cool clothes, but I was a high schooler, and so I, I didn't have the... Uh, a real way to do that, uh, and so so I was just buying you know stuff off Taobao and whatever. Um, do the uh, do the 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 other uh, streetwear subreddit mods know that you've worn reps? The, oh, maybe they know that I've worn them, but this was all well before I was kind of posting stuff online. Really, this was just when I was like 
sort of very peripherally into it. I wasn't posting fit pics or anything. I was just wearing like this stuff to school and around. Um, mm-hmm. And then it started when I when I was a senior. I stopped really wearing reps as much, and I was more just looking at like weird brands that were kind of catching my eye i had like a real fixation on vet memes at the time that has that is actually kind of extended it's nice that they're about to release their new collection because i do they've kind of stayed with me for a while uh it's just like maybe because it's you know a little irreverent kind of like silly uh not as serious i always was drawn to that and they were making the more billowy and wider cut stuff that I was into, but not uh, not at vet mall prices and not um, and not at kind of the avant garde level. You know, it felt a lot more accessible. And so from there, I then got more into wearing like stuff like that. And this is all still kind of pre Arcteryx for me. Um, until until my senior year of high school started up. Um, Because I had done another uh, two years or another two trips uh, over the summer canoeing and then got back and I was looking for a job. Uh, It's kind of funny how I ended up working for Arcteryx uh, because I was at Starbucks before working working a barista job and then ended up going to apply to Patagonia, (laughs) Uh, which which the storefront happened to be right next to Arcteryx. And I, you know, had an extra copy of my resume. And I remember from my time uh, out, out in the wilderness that, uh, you know, Arcteryx was kind of the brand, all of the trip leaders and whatever were wearing it uh, and would talk about it very highly. Uh, one of the uh, program leaders that I was very close with, Josh Ferguson, uh, was like aspiring to work at Arcteryx. He wanted to do backpack design. He would always talk my ear off about that um, while we were canoeing. And so I get back, I apply to Patagonia, and I also applied to Arcteryx and ended up um, almost getting, like, not hired on the spot, but it was like I brought in my resume, had an interview the next day, and then they offered me the job. Um, and that was when I started working there. It was like a month after I had turned 18, um, and I started working at Arcteryx. And then that was really, I think, when things started to take off in terms of me, like, posting posting stuff, being kind of more present online. Um, yeah. What was the pitch? The pitch for me to work at Arcteryx? What would I say? Yeah. What was I, it like? Arcteryx saved my life on the canoe trip. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I, I, I need Gore-Tex. Uh, I, I remember actually the year before I was working at Arcteryx, I brought a pair of frog togs with me um, on on my canoe trip. They're, they're like the worst, uh, the worst pieces of gear I think I've ever used. Like just holes from the second you take them out of the bag. Um, it was like this coverall suit that I would put on and wear. It was very silly. Uh, the pitch really banked on the fact that I had had this outdoor sort of trip experience um, that I, I, I really branded myself much more as like a core guy, you know, like I, I'm, I'm out there, I was doing trips. Uh, oh, how the times have changed. Uh, you know, it's definitely, <laughs> definitely different from uh, what I'm doing now. Uh, but they also, I also was quick to mention, you know, that I am interested in fashion and clothing which is also very funny because i you know i'm wearing a pair of like you know ripped skinny jeans tucked into nike sfbs so i could look like shia labeouf like not not a very great fit um but they uh not a great fit in the in what i was wearing not a great outfit uh but it was a good fit for actually working there um and yeah so, so from there it was like pretty quickly onboarded 
started learning more about product. Uh, the first Arcteryx piece I ever got was an A2B Vinton uh, jacket. You remember that? The Vinton from the commuter uh, stuff. Yeah, it was from the twenty four line. It was one of the A to B uh, jackets. It was like you know, my dad actually wears it now. I gave it to him. Uh, that that and a thorium. And just started wearing some Arcteryx and really quickly fell into Valence um, right around the beginning of 2016 because it was like the kind of more elusive, cool thing that Arcteryx had. And even when I had first started working there, I kind of quickly, I guess my, my enjoyment of Mainline has ebbed and flowed. Like it's had um, some times where I was more into it and sometimes when I was less. It definitely started off kind of cool, but quickly went into, I was like all about Valence, but then like dabbled more with Mainline over the last like two and a half years or so, um, where, I, where I've definitely found it to be pretty, pretty good stuff. You know, Arcteryx makes good gear. I think that's where the two of us both are, right? Like we all started with the little Arcteryx, gone to Valence, got really deep into that. And then after a point you realize like, you know, the silhouettes are a little too restrictive and then you go back to mainline because it's so practical and you can just wear it for anything mm -hmm. not to mention leaf oh right. we're big big culprits of stealing valor big. yes exactly <laughs> the leaf stolen valor i love it we got to disseminate leaf back to the people get every get, every, get everyone their arcteryx leaf um it was uh it's it's funny that you know valence at least for me i don't know how much of it has to do with just style or how much of it has to do with uh you know the cut of the clothes uh that valence makes but i definitely found it difficult just to like find shoes to wear with valence you know like that it's it mm. seems uh simple but i just based on the fact that i am like six three and you know much bigger than the fit model for valence it meant that i would have stuff that fit but stuff that would often look kind of weirdly proportioned like with a size 12 shoe uh even if it was like a slimmer i don't know the common project or or whatever you will um the, the the only valence shoe uh from like you know 2014 to 2017 um and and so that that definitely uh not soured me on it but as i got more into sneakers and and footwear and and clothing outside like in the technical space but not that that wasn't specifically arcteryx uh i i definitely sort of mixed and matched valence a lot more as opposed to the full valence setup that i was wearing um like right when i had started uh you know in in my senior year and kind of first year of college when i was still working there i think that's an interesting point about valence and footwear I think it is restrictive and I think at least my experience recently is I've lost a lot of brain cells and got more into sneakers and I think my <laughs> wearing valence a little less has been very connected to that. Yeah. And I, you know I a agree. lot of people when they get into sneakers they're they're uh they're the way they dress really deteriorates. <laughs> right. I think from the lack of brain cells and because like when sneakers become a priority, you start just buying a ton and you just don't have the wardrobe to match them all. Uh, but it, it's, you know, it's interesting for, it was interesting for me that it was a gateway into like other brands and silhouettes. Yeah, absolutely. And especially with how sneakers are going now. Um, oh boy, are we going to have to end the podcast? We started talking about sneakers like this, this, this soon in. Um, but, but it's true like that, that sneakers now, especially like, you know, you could spend 
$800 on a pair of shoes um, without without thinking too much of it, because that's how much, you know, Sakai Nikes or CDG foam posits or whatever are going for. Uh, and then that definitely kind of cuts into the uh, the budget for the rest of the outfit. And so it, it that's, I think, why a lot of the time the big sneaker posters you see are like either photos of just the shoes themselves or, you know, Adidas track pants and, you know, the shoes or, what, you know, something like that. Um because there's not as not as much ability to wear whatever the new hype shoe is, and also whatever the new hype uh, garments are, because the, you know you can only only get so much. You can only cop so yeah. much. Yeah, in, in my researches on sneaker YouTube, which are, it's strictly for <laughs> anthropological purposes, not about like consuming content for pleasure or like getting information about sneakers. You know, a lot of them are getting like you know farfetch uh, sponsorships or whatever, and. Uh, they're buying a lot of clothes, and it's very interesting to see uh, what their selections are. Truly, yeah, it's 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 certainly YouTube and TikTok, and I, you know, we can get into a lot more of like the media that gets produced around clothing. But I always find it to be really uh, dissonant. Like it, it can be hard. Um, I think for a format like a like a long form video to really capture a lot of. Um, to really capture a lot of what I find most exciting about clothing and streetwear, uh, and it can it, it either runs the risk of being too sterile, where oftentimes I don't feel like I'm getting a full picture of the of the shoes or, or kind of the story behind it, because it is just this sort of you know very well shot cinematic like you know photography and videography of the shoes, which for some I, I understand the appeal, but for me it's just you know I can look at photos of shoes whenever I want. Yeah, I feel like the sneaker YouTubers, they take like a cookie cutter approach to yeah. their videos. You know what I mean? It's all, yeah, they have a structure and they don't really like alter it um, in accordance with like, you know, what, yeah, what the story of the sneaker is and other particularities of it. Yeah. And and also because of how prevalent collaborations are uh, and how the, the shoes that are collaborations are always really going to be the ones that get talked about. You end up with like that, that very funny, I don't know if you've seen it, the video of the guys talking about the acronym Prestos, right? When they had come out and saying, you know, so acronym is sort of like a swaggy North Face. Uh, you know, and I, I, know. I love that. Like, I, I think that's it's a, not wrong. They're not wrong. Like, I, I think it's important to say that they are not wrong when they say that. But that that you know, because they're coming at it from Nike fans or sneaker fans, you know, you end up with a very stilted look at uh, maybe one side of the collaboration. Because um, and it's fair. Like, not everyone is going to have all the knowledge about everything. But it would be interesting to see more. Like, I don't know if you guys know Owen Hyatt. Um, he's, uh, like a more artisanal, like leathery CCP style guy. Um, but he does like a lot of, of YouTube videos about clothes and, and such, and really kind of just keeps it to like, this is the stuff that I like and that I've been wearing recently. And he talks about it and where he got it and what he likes about it. And I think that's a much better approach. Um, sort of, you know, this mm-hmm. is my area of interest and expertise. And, you know, if you if you, you find that compelling, you can watch it. And if not, then there's plenty of other people who you can watch instead who talk about clothes that you like. He has his own brand, right? I think he likes yeah. making clothes and all that. Yeah. Yeah, that definitely seems like the, the trend for a lot of those. Uh, the more kind of like uh, uh, archival is the word I'm looking for. The archival guys, like a lot of them end up just making um, their own brand and you know, to varying levels of success. 
Yeah, I was watching the uh, Magnus video yesterday where he walks you through like his like metrics over the last year and like it blew my mind what his GMV was. I didn't know he could make that much selling clothes on YouTube. Yeah, and especially with people like him, once you have built up enough of um, sort of a, a legacy as being kind of an in-the-know fashion person, you see the same thing with Avery, um, Avery Ginsberg, or what, I think that's his last name. Um, but people like that, who they go through these massive style transformations over the years, but because they are just kind of constantly producing, uh, it's it's quick uh, for other people to kind of catch on and go, all right, like I'm following the, I'm following the thought process there, and I and I'm I'm in line with um, you know where this person's style is going, and so you can kind of continue to have a fan base that way, because uh, I do think a lot of times the people watching these are doing so for inspiration, uh, not so much for like um, just. Uh, shopping around looking for what other people are saying about um, something that you are already super invested in. It's more about getting the information. And I think just connecting with the creator in some way, like just some personal resonance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and to sort of uh, loop back, I know like we, the, the question around how I kind of got into this has been mostly answered at least how I, how I got into it. But I think the trajectory there is still, um, like it's still a big a big part of it as well because it was a lot of the time when I was getting into Valence was also when I was getting introduced to Acronym and other brands that have also stood the test of time for me style-wise. And then same with things that have fallen by the wayside, things that I was much more interested in then uh, that I don't really care about now. How would you describe how your style has morphed over the years? Uh, certainly, certainly more acronym. <laughs> um, that, that has, I think I, that's true for all three of us. Yeah, is that a is. function of interest or a function of your income now? Well, right. Being like, less broke. I, yeah, I, I am, I'm really inclined to say that it's, it's about not being in high school or college anymore that has allowed me to, uh, enjoy, uh, acronym a little bit more than I could back then. And I, I was still wearing acronym, you know, through college, but it was a real, it was very, uh, cyclical, you know, I would, uh, I would, you know, get, uh, acronym item, wear it for a month and then sell it to buy my next single acronym item. So it was not like I was wearing a lot of it at once, but it was like, I could kind of ch chain together one acronym purchase into another, which I enjoyed. Like I do I, there, it has its problems, but I like selling clothes and I don't think that people need to look at their wardrobe as some sort of long-term investment of, you know, things that you need it's to either not, keep pristine and never wear. Yeah, it's that's not, you know? perverse to look at it in that way. I, I think so. And, and it's the same problem I have with like people who are, you know, if you're buying used clothes, it's not really fair to assume that it's going to be sort of a mint condition product the same way that, you know, if you're, if you're buying clothes and not wearing them, you know, I, I think you're missing out on part of that as well. Um, my thing with that is like, if you want to find something wrong with it, like you're going to find something wrong with it, regardless of like the objective qualities, you know, of the piece. Absolutely. Uh, you know, there's no, every, every piece of clothing has a flaw. You're, you're completely right about that. And so I, as far as like, you know, trajectory of my, of my style, when it definitely had a big kind of organic lab spike right around the time when the more kind of crunchy hiker core stuff was picking up. I mean, that really, that really spoke to me 
Um, I think partially because a lot of my inroads into fashion was through the outdoors. It felt like a really seamless way to reincorporate not only stuff that I already had, but um, just pieces that I enjoy uh, that I wouldn't have thought could work in my wardrobe that I ended up being really fond of. Like, I still wear my Retro-X fleece um, like vest all the time. I, I think it's a great, a great item. Uh, and it, I think, helped open me up to appreciating uh, appreciating stuff that was not coming from very decorated designer labels, um, which, although Arcteryx was by no means a decorated label when I was wearing it originally, it did still carry a certain, like, you know, price point and prestige that I think I was pretty drawn to when I was, when I was younger and a little bit more uh, and a little bit more swayed by stuff like that. And, and now that I've had more time to sit with it and figure out how to dress better for my build and dress better for my interests, um, that I think has been easy to, to weave into other outfits and brands. Like, you know, to think, all right, maybe I, I will keep wear something from Montbell or wear something from And Wander or, or these other kind of cooler, smaller brands. I feel like you were just like a little, I mean, this is true for, you're always like a little ahead of the curb. And I feel like with the, yeah, the hiker look, yeah, you were on top of that before it really hit big. Yeah, thank you. I, I appreciate that. I also, I, I think part of it is not necessarily being super far ahead of it, but just when things like that start to crop up, I think just identifying like that is something that I'm interested in. Um, and it it spiraled into a much bigger uh, trend than I was expecting because I think now a lot of brands are a, a consulting with Organic Lab and people of his uh, ilk uh, to actually kind of do creative direction and, and stuff for their brand. But you also see places like Merrill and and whatever getting a lot more uh, praise for what they're doing, despite the fact that it's not different you know it's they've been doing their they've been doing the jungle mock and the hydro mock for a while uh and people are just now kind of realizing oh that actually is cool uh and i think that's great and and should be celebrated and so i'm, I'm really glad when i see stuff like that of people being able to go all right yeah it's not balenciaga but outfit looks good doesn't it and you know it gets you know two thousand likes on instagram and reposted by hidden ny and everyone's like great <laughs> I think you were one of the earliest, like, Instagram cool guys to adopt the Hydro Mock. Has Morel cut you a check yet? That I will. I, I usually try and be fairly humble because I, I take a ton of inspiration from a lot of people and, like, plenty of people I'm sure are like, oh, Dave, you know, totally jacked my style. I was doing that before. And so I, I don't like to take a ton of credit. I will, however, take full credit um, for, for the high, well, maybe not full. I'll, I'm getting ahead of myself. I will take credit okay. for pioneering the hydro mocks in at least some way. I, uh, posted that photo of the hydro mocks. I remember it cause it was on my birthday in like 2019. Um, so like two and a half years back. And I, um, and, and, uh, you know, obviously the like, Oh, nice melted Crocs. Oh, you know, what happened to your <laughs> shoes? You know, plenty of people clowning that but then that actually that uh one of the photos that i posted wearing them got picked up by the new york times i ended up getting uh you know published wow in, yeah in uh, just like a photo about the merrill hydro mock as sort of a an indoor slash outdoor shoe very kind of a, a covid mid covid article uh about 
how people like wearing the Hydromox inside, which is true. Uh, if I if I didn't love my beatniks so much, I'd probably wear them indoors, uh, my, my Hydromox indoors a little bit more. Uh, but people got really on that. I mean, Bodega's stocking the, the Hydromox now, and it's, it's crazy to see how that shoe has become uh, a thing that people think is cool, and they're releasing these new colors. Uh, that's something that I didn't necessarily think I would see. But at the same time, I didn't think Arcteryx uh, would get... Would get the notoriety that it has over the last year and change like people are finding these brands and just running with it uh and it can spiral pretty quickly and become like a gigantic fad so where would so you were in this uh, organic lab place a few years ago and where have things gone since then things from there i think as i was finishing my senior year of college i just found myself always gravitating back towards acronym and and always like just realizing that when it comes to my wardrobe the things that I always want to wear the most are acronym the things that I get excited by just by like looking at product photos and other outfits is usually acronym and I and I don't like to pigeonhole myself and I'm by no means an acronym stan you know I'm I'm happy to uh lay criticism where uh when it's warranted but it's a it's a collection of clothing and uh a brand that i have really found myself enjoying uh, and appreciating and so that has that i think has remained a constant but as i was finishing off school and i sold off a lot of stuff just got some other acronym things that i'm really into uh, and that's been super nice uh to just kind of have that in rotation a little bit more because I, I think there was a part of me that still in college was kind of like, man, I, I, it's, it's tricky to wear this stuff. It's tricky to justify. Um, and now it's a little bit easier. Hopefully it'll get easier uh, every year. You know, What's your Hue uniform right now? I wear my P38 uh, ease just about every day. Uh, you wow. know, maybe, maybe like four days a week or something. Shout out I, Barlow's. Yeah, shout out Barlow's for for plugging it in. The the XL uh, acronym community is fairly small, pun not intended, I suppose. Um, but it's it's great when uh, when local folks are able to you know say oh, I got this off, I got this, and I, I don't really wear it. Like you know, you want to take it off me or whatever because it it can be a pain to find a lot of this stuff because it's not made in huge production runs, uh, and so things can get. I mean, the P thirty eights are are difficult to find, uh, and I know a lot of people who have been hitting me up and asking me, you know, hey, man, would you ever sell your, your P38s? And I'm like, yeah, man, they're, they fit a size 40 waist, <laughs> you know, like, they're like, oh, never mind. It's like, yeah, I know, you don't even know what size I am, and you're trying to hit me up to buy my pants off me. Like, that's how, that's how tricky they are to track down. Um, that plus the J91 has been really nice as an insulator, um, and the, those two together, I feel like, can get me through most things. Um, and then I got the J1W, which I really like uh, as a as a jacket. It's it, the wide fit is super nice to accommodate some layers underneath. Um, so that's definitely like that. Those three together is a full is my kind of go to right now in the winter, especially maybe an NG4 if I'm really feeling up for it. It's a pretty original uniform as far as it goes. I suppose yeah. so. You know, the J91 and the J1W, I think, are kind of just a no-brainer. If you if you have them both, they just slot in really nicely. It feels like they were, at least the J1W was, part of the design was to accommodate the J91 because it is so much bigger of a liner than anything else they've done in at least my memory. 
Um, yeah, actually, almost almost certainly, because the fifty eight is like half the size, um, and right. so that that uh, is a, is a good setup. And the thirty eights, just the fact that they have so many pockets. I know it's like always funny to joke about, like you know, oh man, like how what are you going to do with all those pockets? I constantly have people asking me, you know, like do you really use all those pockets? I'm like, I kind of do at this point. You know, I found found a good use for. Uh, each of them to store certain things. Phone pockets are obviously great. Honestly, I, I'll stake this claim. Like, I think if acronym pants didn't have the phone pocket, I would wear them less. Uh, that's like, I, I, yeah, it's critical. Yeah, yeah when critical. I when I put on other pants, I'm like, oh, and my phone just what goes in my regular pocket? That's ridiculous. It should yeah, have its, its, its own hitting small... your hips, and yeah, it's just all wrong. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't doesn't feel right. I wear my P32s way less than my 31s and 33s because there's no phone pocket. It, it feels so weird just for it to like bounce around. Like I, I know that sounds so silly to say on the podcast, but yeah, I wish there were more phone pockets. Yeah, with I'm the with P32, you. I just you know I keep the oh, you keep whatever the top of the pocket open, then you can slide it in with a little practice and a little dexterity. You need a lot of dexterity for that. I always put my hand into the wrong pocket. Like you never know which pocket your hand's going into. <laughs> you just feel for the zipper. Right, then yeah. you know you're in the right place. This is yeah. This is uh, we should do do a whole episode on just explaining to people how to best use their uh, the surplus pockets on their acronym pants. The thing with the with the P thirty eight. I mean, one of the things is just how <laughs> there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot, but how the how they look with the pockets unzipped, especially the cargos. Like I think that's a truly unique uh, aspect. Yeah. It's also, I think, a reason why I uh, have been able to wear them as frequently as I have is because they look very different depending on how you open them up and which pockets you choose to close or leave open. Um, I really like the all-open look as a more kind of like, it's a lot slouchier. It's a lot like, you know, the, the weight of the zippers on the pockets when they're not closed, like pulls the pants down a little bit more. And I, I like the drape on that quite a bit. Uh, and then when you have them zipped all the way up, it's like a looks like a kind of a truer flight pant cargo style. Um, and I, I really like that. I actually, um, this is another good reason why you should never uh, think about your clothes as a uh, as a long term investment that you got to keep pristine. Um, the one of the zippers on the lower pockets, I was walking by one of those like U line uh, metal kind of slotted shelves and the zipper, I have no idea how it managed to get this precisely in there, but the zipper went into one of the slots on the side of the, uh, of the shelf. And I was walking by and it like pulled the pant to the side and it bent the zipper. That's super strong. Like, you know, I, what are they? They are YKK, but those really thick ones. Uh, and it bent the zipper like in half. And so I had to like hammer it down and flatten it again. Um, wow. and so, yeah, if, uh, you know, years down the line, if you ever see me, uh, see me selling the P 38s, you can make some snarky comment about how the, uh, the left, uh, bottom zipper is bent. I know you're going to regret saying that. I know, I know. It's not people are going to be looking for it. Ten out of ten, no flaws, barely <laughs> worn. Meanwhile, I've worn them like you know three hundred out of the last five hundred days. I've seen enough Fitbits to know that you wear those pants daily. It's true for the viewers I mean, that can't see. You just look down. You're wearing the P38s right now. 
I am. I am literally wearing them right now. And I'm at home. I don't, I don't have any reason. Like, you know, I, I've been wearing them and I realize like, you know, 10 minutes into doing the dishes that I'm just like spraying dirty water all over them from trying to, you know, clean a spoon correctly. Uh, and yeah, so, you know, then, then honestly, I think to be, to be like earnest about it, I think is one of the reasons why acronym tends to be at the top of my list when I'm thinking about things that I want to buy is because I do trust them to get the ab- absolute shit kicked out of them uh, and be fine. Because uh, I, I don't like having to worry and stress out about, oh, am I going to stain this or get this dirty or is some rogue shelf going to try and bend my zipper again? Like, you know, I would much rather just wear it and, you know, if something happens, it happens. Yeah, I think that's the part of the peel that we talked about, like, before recording. You mentioned that you started, like, wearing a lot of, like, older, dirtier acronym. And I think, like, acronym just ages a lot better and, like, looks good dirty. Unlike Valence, where it's, like, you know, it looks great pristine, but no one wants a dirty heiress. Yeah, no, it's it's very true. I, I think part of it is the durability of the of the gear itself uh, when it comes to acronym, but also the fact that it does tend to look pretty good when it gets weathered uh, and worn down. I, I was joking with you guys when we were uh, chatting about this earlier, but uh, just that I think one of the reasons why a lot of my earlier outfit uh, and like fit pick content uh, had like, you know, I was was really trying to mix valence with acronym, uh, mostly because I had access to valence in surplus and had very little access to acronym, but it was really where I had my I was really, you know, looking for it. I, I wanted to be wearing it. And so I would end up with this, like, you know, you know, jacket from spring-summer 2009 that had been, like, you know, beaten to, you know, hell and back. And then I would be the, wearing The this. field jacket? Yeah, well... They, uh, what was that? There was... I had... I, I have gone through, like, some really random old Arcteryx... Or, rather, old acronym piece. I had an SSJ2 in white. I think that was my first... Oh, wow. My first acronym jacket, maybe an SSJ2 or like something like that, but really early. But it was like smoked, you know, it's not only a white jacket, but it's like, you know, practically yellowing on the inside from like wear and whatever. And I was wearing that with like, you know, a brand new pair of, uh, you know, uh, valence field pants and whatever. And, you know, for me, I'm like, oh my God, how is this not the best outfit ever? I'm wearing, you know, acronym and valence. What could be cooler? Um, But without really an understanding of how... Um, how to make an outfit that is that that doesn't leave people confused when they look at it. Like you kind of want to have a, a look that's maybe a, a little bit more uniform. And and I don't begrudge anyone. Like I I mix plenty of valence and acronym now, but it's just a little bit more. Uh, it's a little bit more precise on on what I actually want to wear with one another, uh, as opposed to what it used to be, which was just like I have this thing and this thing, and so I'll wear it. Right, Dave right. wore acronym and valence before, so he can let Kobe and I wear acronym and valence now without judgment. Paved the way. <laughs> Paved the way. <laughs> yeah, I think it's very po- – yeah, I mean, there's you can see it as like you're just mixing the brands because the brands are cool versus like yeah, trying to create a cohesive outfit. You know, I also think current valence is more amenable to working with acronym just because of the, the silhouettes um, and kind of they're having more – expose features so to speak wider yeah there's a lot of stuff in recent valence that i think does really well with acronym uh the altus comes to mind just because it's oh yeah altus is great i mean i i think you may have even mentioned it on a podcast previously but just that it's like it's super wearable it really goes with a lot of things it's simple but like very elegant 
Um, I think a lot of women's valence does super well. The monitor ISGR also, like you were saying with kind of the exposed detailing, you get a lot of nice, a lot of nice stuff on the ISGR. We haven't seen many uh, pictures of that online. I don't think many people bought it. Yeah, I don't think so. Which is it's partially understandable, you know. It it is, um, it's it's at a price point where I think the difference between going with that and going with something like the Altus gets a lot smaller. Um, or if not the Altus, the Euler, or even a monitor like a, a classic, you know, standard monitor. Um, and the I think the Coraloft plus lack of three layer Gore Tex can turn some people off, uh, and. It's somewhat understandable. I mean, I would be fine, I think, getting through a winter in a monitor ISGR, at least around here. Um, but but I understand the apprehension. Yeah, I think that the way that the Hadron mixes with the rest of the valence aesthetic is a little problematic, too. Like, I, I think I could see people coming around to that, but on its head, it's kind of problematic. Especially on a longer jacket. Like if they did like a romp in Hadron or something like that, I could get into that and like, you know, ease us in. But it was a weird silhouette to choose to introduce the fabric. I'm mm-hmm. with you. Because it, it, it's, it's severe. Like it, it, it is a lot, of, a lot of surface area of jacket to have be that kind of checker pattern. I think it's a lot nicer in olive than it is in black. Um, just because you, you don't see quite as much of the, much of the cross-stitching. I, I don't even know exactly what you would call that. Um, but but yeah it's it's a it's a cool it's a cool coat and i think that they should be i I hope that they are encouraged to do more stuff like that even when sales don't necessarily uh might not show that it's it's worth pursuing uh for the long term because i I do think that they are best when they're experimenting valence in this case being they um and, and it's why women's valence, at least for me, was such a smash hit because it was like, wow, like this is new. This is something that they have not done. Um, and it easily, I think my most um, prescient complaint about valence has been and, and still is just that you can only have so many myons. You can only have so many isogons. Like we see a lot of the same stuff. And I, I think resystem is a great uh, is, is hopefully a good sign uh, that they would do like one day maybe a an Aris in some crazy color, you know, you know, that they would not never do otherwise, but they call it a re-system and introduce that I think could be really cool. We've talked mm-hmm. about this on like an old podcast, but the idea of that, like the valence formula is getting stale. You know, you can only buy so many myons or if you know the field jacket is coming back next season, there's no reason to buy it, right? Do you think like valence could benefit a bit from like the acronym model where it's like, let's not do the Mayan for a season or two. So when it comes back, people are excited because they just haven't been able to find one. Absolutely. I, I think that that, especially from a sales perspective, and if valence is really trying to be a brand that has items sell out with any level of consistency, I think that taking a pause on certain things for a season or two um would, would be a big benefit uh, or even like, you know, doing some sort of redesign or they, if they were to like bring back the old, uh, you know, design of the Mayan and, you know, do something like that. I, I don't think, I mean, I wish. That'd I be great. Think, I don't think they That'd would. Be great, I don't man. But it would be great. I know I they agree. won't. I'm so sick of it. There's a Teratex Mayan in my basement that I keep talking about because I forget oh. I have it because I have no reason to wear it. Like, just give yeah. me the rip stop. I know. I feel that. It, it looks best in the basement. Right. Sorry, no, that's where, where it belongs. belongs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Right there with all the old Patagonia. True, true. I um, I, I do think also that as of now, 
Arcteryx mainline and 24 line in particular has gotten really comfortable cannibalizing Valence. Um, and and mm-hmm. I'm sure that, like, you know, it's not... I'm sure that everyone is involved in those conversations over there, including the Valence team. Um, but but I, I think, at least from where I'm standing, it's, it's very difficult for me to go, yeah, you definitely should get, you know, the monitor down uh, if I was trying to convince someone uh, to, to get one. When the Thorson is, from even a visual perspective, so similar at this point, now that, you know, both of them have the covered zipper, both of them are really close in terms of material, with, like, the differences being minor enough that most average people are not going to recognize it, like the difference between three-layer, or, like, a Gore Pro and and just a regular three-layer Gore-Tex on an already down-insulated jacket... Not the sort of thing that I think moves the needle uh, in an, in a major way for most people looking to just stay warm in the city. And so it would be cool, like, I think if, if Valence was like, all right, if we're going to be designing this stuff and then it gets brought into 24 line in a year or two uh, and kind of diffuses into there, then maybe Valence should say, all right, well, let's take more from mainline. Let's do some things that are maybe a little bit more in between. I guess that's kind of where System A ends up. Um, although I know they say it's sort mm-hmm. of in between Leaf and, and Valence. I think that's a pretty good way to frame it. Um, but I, I think that it would be good if they if they just sort of went, like, a little bit more out there. Because the people who want the standard, like, the people who want the Mayon and the Indice Blazer and whatever, they've got it. Like, that's there. They're in good supply. Time to, like, up the ante. What's, like, what's the next monitor ISGR? Yeah, I, I don't know if you guys... Did, have you guys seen the... I think it's the Women's Venda Anorak. Has this been discussed at all? Um, the the main It's a mainline yeah, one that looks like the Conduct. Yeah, It, it is it, the, it's conduct. the Conduct. I mean, in, in yeah. all ways except name. Like, they, they took the Conduct Anorak from Valence and turned it into a women's 24-line piece. And really, the only differences are the cuffs. I mean, they changed the cuffs, and that was the only notable difference. Um, and so, like, you know... That's that's all well and good. They I don't think they're going to go back to the conduct. Um, that definitely feels like kind of a nail in the coffin. They go, all right, we, you know, we've sort of given that away uh, to a different line. But you know that that leaves a little bit of that leaves an area for concern because if someone is going to buy maybe a slightly more experimental or more out there valence piece like uh maybe like a mayan overshirt i wouldn't call that experimental but for for example like someone buys a mayan overshirt and then a year and a half down the line they release ostensibly the mayan overshirt but for mainline they call it the a to b you know uh shirt or whatever and then they sell for half the price you'd everyone everyone would be like what the hell like i would have taken a small like tonal bird on the sleeve in exchange for $150 back on my purchase. Uh, I think most people uh, would feel that way. And it'll be, I think, likely that we'll see some more uh, dissenting voices in the valence purchasing community uh, if if things like that continue, because there will be people who go, oh, man, that sucks to see that they just rehashed that. Mm-hmm. I think the valence demographic has like shifted a lot too. It might be just because valence is a lot more accessible now with the sales and the community is much bigger. But I feel like you know a couple of years ago, if you talk to the diehard valence fans, right, it's like, oh, would you take the Mayon IS or a mainline shirt that's the same with a logo on it for a third of the price? People still buy the Mayon, but I think people care a lot less now. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how much of that is just. I wonder if if that is like because it goes on sale now more and because it's more accessible and and that 
Arcteryx is more widely known, and as a by extension, so is Valence. And with more eyes on it, there's just going to be more people who are coming from different consumer backgrounds. And you're right to say, like, th- there was a time when I had first started that, you know, I would be working the floor at the Arcteryx store, and it would be a week and a half, two weeks in between Valence customers. Like, people would come in and ask for it, but maybe twice a month. Uh, and now, you know, I, I no longer work there. We can I, we can uh, go through kind of maybe a little bit more of my trajectory at Arcteryx if, if that's interesting. Um, but, sure. But at least over the, like, when I was there over the, the summer and such, it was in much greater supply, you know, and we were selling out of, of Valence items in the store. Uh, which was almost unheard of uh, even a year before, let alone like three or four. Yeah, I think like I think what you said about the sales is very true. I think spring, summer 20, pandemic times and kind of how Arcteryx and Valence responded to that uh, really altered the brand image. Yeah, in a way that I don't think anyone could have. Pre- well, I guess, yeah, it was kind of predictable. Yeah, mm-hmm. given that it wasn't a sale brand before. Yeah, and because it, 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 it was like a quick strike brand, like it was the sort like we the the kind of uh, we were told at the very least that you know Valence does not go on sale, like it will never go on sale. We don't mark it down. There was, I mean, also a time where Arcteryx didn't go on sale for many many years. Uh, that also mm-hmm. I think led up right around the time that Valence did when Arcteryx realized that they can just kind of coast off of the fact that they are becoming so much more notable. And if they are getting more items into the hands of people, the logo becomes more ubiquitous. The, you know, brand image gets wider and wider. Uh, And so I I don't, I don't begrudge their decision, but it is certainly uh, switched up how I think a lot of people uh, look at Valence and how Valence uh, differentiates itself from any other, not only like Arcteryx, kind of collection but from any other brand you know i think it's very similar now to to a lot of other stuff in the elevated menswear scene Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's interesting to kind of trace that trajectory with the discounts like it started where like nothing was on sale at all and then they let colored pieces go on sale right and then the black pieces and then they started discounting stuff on valence.com and now I, I I haven't I haven't looked into this more, but it seems like Valence.com has now gotten merged with the main website. It's unclear yes. whether that's intentional or not. I know <laughs> I that there there is uh, on the horizon like a pretty big overhaul of at least Arcteryx's like internal inventory system, something like that. I, I don't actually know all the details, but I wouldn't be surprised if that got switched up again. Um, but I also could see them saying, you know, we're all under the Arcteryx umbrella. Jill Sanders, System A, Valence, it's all on this one main website, and you just got to navigate to the right page for it. It would probably make things easier from, like, an upkeep standpoint for them. Uh, I don't know what it would... I, I already can say that I, I think that it will look worse, you know, just kind of Valence almost requires a website like the Valence website to have... Um, to really call attention to the minimalism as an intentional choice, as opposed to when it's on the main website with all these big, bright colors and photos of, you know, mountains and skiers. And then you see, you know, all right, what, oh, what's this, a Line MX pan? And it's just like a, you know, dude standing there in this horribly, you know, flash photography, you know, style photo. And everyone just goes, all right, never mind, I'll get Gamma MXs instead. 
I think there's a way to have Valence connect to darkterrors.com if, yeah, depending on how the site is designed. Yeah. Um, but something that we said in the last podcast, which I, I feel is pretty true, is that I think there is some intention around creating more continuity between the lines and kind of trying to funnel, you know, getting customers in and then, yeah, showing them how the different lines look and kind of funneling them, them into one or the other. Yeah, I, I agree. I, you know, and System A is vocal about it. You know, it, it kind of call, calls it direct attention to the fact that it is um, in between, uh, that it is not sort of on one end or the other. Uh, and that could end up being a really nice conduit to having people that would be otherwise uninterested in valence or uninterested in mainline kind of go back and forth. I, I would... I think that that is a great, uh, that would be a, a really nice way for Arcteryx to position itself because they've, they've got the interest uh, and if they can get people who are wearing Arcteryx on the slopes and they can get people who are wearing Arcteryx to the office, uh, which is sort of always how Valence was positioned in connection to mainline uh, and they just make that like something that people actually do as opposed to something that was more of like a hope. I think they would be very happy to see that. There's a lot of potential. There really is. Yeah. I haven't seen the Arcteryx roadmap, but it feels right now, you know, the funnel is mainline to system A. I think it makes sense to, you know, build out system A to Valence funnel after. They definitely have to do some rejigging on the website. I don't think like, linking Valence at the bottom right corner or giving it a tab is enough. They need like much more clear intention of like, you know, mixing fits with Valence and mainline and then slowly transitioning those people over, but we'll see. Yeah, and I think a lot of that too will be not reliant, in, in, not entirely reliant, but partially reliant on the success and innovation of upcoming System A seasons, because I, it's fair to say that System A Drop 2 did not carry with it the same um, intrigue and excitement that Drop 1 did, but... I see that there is clearly room for, um, or there's clearly the space that Arcteryx is given to have System A really take off and do a lot more uh, and, and really push uh, that, that middle ground, that uh, you know, spot in between the mainline and Valence collections, that if they worked like a little bit um, more the Valence angle, they worked like a little bit more um, stuff like that, I think, I think they could end up really having that you know, one, two, and then three, getting people from mainline all the way to Valence uh, and can, can cash those checks all day. Dave, yep. you're wearing a System A shirt right now, right? I am. I'm wearing the, the Copal long sleeve. Um, I like them. What's in the pocket? Nothing's what's what's in, in the, the pocket? I don't. Can you even put anything in this pocket? I think I tried putting my AirPods in there once and it like was not comfortable. You can put a mask in there. You can put a mask in there. I, I think it would go well with like... Oh yeah, <laughs> one Tic Tac, one single Tic Tac. You could put like a, the casting card wallet in there. That's the wallet I use. Maybe a little clunky. I think that I think that the shirts are solid. I, I would never. I don't think I would tell people to get this shirt over getting any other like similarly constructed tee. But I I like the moisture wicking on it. It's got some sort of. It's made with like volcanic sand or something. I don't know if that how much of that is like sort of a fun marketing setup by the material manufacturer and how much of it is like real science, but hell, I'm, I'm doing fine. I'm not sweating, not really sweating through it. Maybe a little bit. Who knows? Your skin looks great. 
The volcanic sand's doing wonders Thank for you. Yeah, it really is. It's uh, you should put like moisturizer in it. Get one of those like you know SPF sunblock moisturizer shirts. That would be, God, that's the next level. Our Ar- Arterix beachwear. <laughs> the fabric on the copal is a little coarse, so you're definitely getting some exfoliation <laughs> with it. <laughs> we'll start. We'll figure out the plan to get Arterix into the wellness space soon. Yes. That, oh God. That that'll be something. Yeah. Just selling like you know Vita, Vitamixes and uh, you know get Arterix as an MLM would be a very interesting uh, arc. Well, Patagonia did it. You know, Patagonia started making food. Yeah, they provisions, did. right? Yeah, yeah. They've got mm-hmm. those. It's always, those are always weird. It reminds me of like a- astronaut ice cream. Is that you guys familiar? <laughs> yeah. That's like every time I see one of those like freeze dried packs of food, I'm like astronaut ice cream. Well, they have like the jerky, which is dry, but they also have, um, and I, I actually buy this regularly and eat it. They have like canned fish. I'm a big fan <laughs> of the mackerel. You buy Patagonia <laughs> canned fish. It's, yeah. I mean, exactly. it tastes good. It's not too expensive. Yeah. Good quality. Hell yeah. You're, that, but it's interesting. I mean, they've been here. able to kind of fit that in there within their brand image. Right. Right. I, w- would I don't not know be how surprised. Arcturus would do it. I, yeah. I, re- I really do feel like at this point, like Arcteryx could really just put their foot on the gas and start pumping out like god knows what and just slapping the archaeopteryx bird on it and being like here we go like this is now you know arcteryx tank tops and arcteryx jock straps and arcteryx knee pads and food and those exist yeah yeah exactly like they're they could easily do that i'd wear a crop top like a nice gore-tex crop top or something like that like the actor sakai but arcteryx yeah Your mood board stories are always are always uh, pleasing. I like yeah. the, I like doing those. Uh, it's all just it's all just like stuff that I save uh, over like the course of however much time, and then I look and I see if I've got like nine or twelve new things saved that I haven't posted yet, and I'll just run that up. You can kind of see, I think, a, a pretty decent through line, uh, you know, because it's been going on for couple years now of me doing that and there's stuff that still i think crops up in newer mood boards that i do that are uh if not exactly the same in some regards but like very similar to stuff that i found exciting like three years back uh that's that's been fun people take really well to that uh that i'm I'm always surprised at the feedback that i get people are like oh man these are really cool like you should do more of these it's kind of like oh wow all right they are cool, you know. And speaking of kind of expanding your brand into uh, different areas, mm-hmm. I feel like you're kind of expanding your own into magic cards and uh, <laughs> video games. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's funny. I have, I think there's a real balance that I try and strike with my Instagram that, which which I, I would guess is probably how the majority of people um, engage with my content. Like I do post it on Reddit and, you know, other places and Discord and and such. Um, But it all kind of ends up filtering back to the Instagram, which I like as a marketing portfolio networking tool, just as much as I like it as kind of a place to post things that I'm interested by. And I don't I don't feel like a, a, any sort of, uh, or I, I do my best, you know, to never kind of be ashamed of anything that I'm interested in, in you know, or not ashamed, ashamed is maybe too strong, but that if there's stuff that I find compelling, 
everyone who the people who follow me on Instagram are there because they think something that I do is compelling. It's usually fashion, but uh, there's been plenty of people who have been like, "Oh my god, I didn't know you played Magic!" Like, and that have become good friends, like that I communicate with pretty regularly about it. Uh, and same goes for uh, other things that I post. You know, I um, and I think it's uh, it's okay to to say that you did some voiceover work for a, a YouTube video that I had made a little while That's back. Right. Uh, and, and I've done, you know, some stuff in other, uh, not, not fashion YouTube, uh, more of the schoolwork, uh, you know, more academic work that I was doing at the end of my time in college. I was making a lot of YouTube videos for that, talking about theory and, uh, various media things that I found exciting. And I would post those, uh, as sort of like, you know, Hey, this is another thing that I'm doing on a different platform and the response to that was never nearly as overwhelming as it is with things like clothing but I had plenty of people say hey I I watched that you know 30 minute video you made about you know Roland Bart and Jacques (laughs) Lacan and I really enjoyed it you know I think I think that's um I think that's it's cool to see that people are willing to expand their horizons somewhat even if it's just because oh this guy who I think dresses cool posted about it uh, I, I, I take that as a victory. It all it all feels cohesive to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. You tell us what do you see as the, the intersection between oh my different interests? Yeah. I mean, it's you, obviously, right? I mean, that's kind right. of the answer. But the question is, you know, what? Yeah. How do you make sense of it? I think if you take me out of the equation, um, and this I think is by no means an original observation by me, but um, the reason why I think a lot of philosophers and a lot of theorists are compelling and and exciting is not because they have invented some brilliant idea that no one could possibly fathom, um, you know, because there are these regal and incredible thinkers. It's, It's actually just because they are identifying things that manifest in the world and going, hey, notice that? Hey, did you catch that? You know, have you guys also noticed this thing that happens? Uh, and that, I think, can translate to most people. Um, you know, it's it's easy to get d- dragged down by a lot of the difficult language and maybe, like, you know, generational gaps that a lot of the, the bigger um, philosophers have, uh, you know, that just because a lot of philosophy was written a long time ago. Uh, but there is always, I think, things that are relevant to connect. Um, I'll give my, like, th- this, I think, is a pretty... Uh, decent bit of connective tissue, um, but a lot of what Lacan says about lack. Um, I can't believe we're going into this right now, but I love it. We're we're in it. I mean, I, th- I yeah, think we're that, in it. Let's do it. Yeah, but I think I can. I think it, it's easy to talk about without needing to go really all in on a lot of the terminology. But just the idea that like part of what is cool about things or what is alluring about things is also because of what. It is not, uh, and that I get it gets explained through that uh, classic joke um, that I think Sartre made um, about being in a coffee shop. You, you've heard, I've I've told you about this, I'm sure. Um, but the joke is that uh, a guy goes into a coffee shop and he asks the barista if he can have a coffee with no cream, and. The barista says, uh, unfortunately, we're out of cream. Would a uh, coffee with no milk be okay instead? <laughs> uh, and, mm-hmm. and it goes on to say, you know, obviously that, that a, uh, 
you know, a coffee without cream is, is so much better than a coffee without milk. Uh, you know, that, that part of why um, that coffee is good is because of what you're taking out of it. And so with valence, here we go. Now we're, we're back in. So we enough okay. philosophy. Okay. I, have a lot of, I have a lot of applications of this, though, if we want to yeah, well, make cause it you more can... uh, understandable for our listeners. Yes, I mean, because I because I, I do think, and and I'll give one example, and then please like bounce off of it as well. But like the the Monad Shopper, this is like my my most I fixate on this item. I think, and and also the Monad uh, bucket bag that ended up I think actually being recalled from Women's Valence. Um, both of them I think are are really fascinating because they are Gore Tex Pro. Um, in the sen- in the uh, in the case of the Monad bucket bag, it's actually um, one uh, 100 denier like Alpha SV Gore-Tex Pro like it is the only mm. other product outside of the Alpha SV that Arcteryx made with that material is the Monad bucket bag and neither that bag nor the Monad shopper are waterproof they are open on the top no matter how well you affix the closure no matter how you know tightly you hold the the resystem shopper together um you'll always get water in the top of that bag if it's if it's raining um and i think that is a very pointed bit of irony that i think valence can run with which is like yes you're getting these technical materials but not not in every scenario will it be relevant for you to have uh, you know access to you know full waterproofing uh, and and kind of playing with that I think is really interesting. I think yeah that's a that's a direction that potentially could be taken with valence but will absolutely not happen, which is like kind of playing with this interplay between functionality and non-functionality, which is kind of the essence of technical fashion. Yeah. Right. And I think people, people love that, you know, they love having features that are nominally functional, but actually are not really used, like they're usable, but you, there's no reason to really actually use them for their stated purpose. Um, and I think people like that. They like the kind of the potential. People um, love romanticizing their products, right? It's like the oh, same yeah. dude. Especially men. Yeah. Men, Especially watches. Men. It's like this watch will out- outlive me and my generation. It's like, what is that? why does that matter? And the same dudes who buy Ferraris for the cities. Like, there's no reason for this. It's just knowing you can do that, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and I think you hit on a critical point that, like, that, I think, is the fundamental failing of techware in these sort of big scare quotes, um, you know, as as a way of viewing uh, how to dress because at least in my experience like you're you know your ne- tech technical clothing is is a series of party tricks you know it's really nice to be waterproof when it's raining it's really nice to have little nifty features that make your life easier but you know you're never going to end up being this sort of super soldier who's ready for anything sometimes like you know it's too hot or it's too snowy or whatever like there's plenty of times where a Gore-Tex jacket in the rain is actually useless. Like, you know, if the humidity's high enough, it's you're going to be miserable no matter what. And I remember when I got, uh, I, I had a little feature thing for Found on Grailed. Uh, they just, like, posted a, like a little series of 
photos. Oh yeah, I remember that. Me. Yeah, yeah. They, they asked me for like a little pull quote, and I remember saying in it that like, um, like that I didn't like tech wear. That like I, I specifically it was about comfort, out, right? You said you wear stuff that's comfortable. Yeah, that I wear it for comfort, and that I wear the stuff that I like. And I got like people were pissed like at this idea that I I didn't like tech wear, and they're like, but that's that's what you're wearing. You're you're dressed like tech wear, you know, and it's like. Yes, like I, I agree in in an aesthetic sense, in like a this in sort of the way that the clothes look on me and and on people who would wear the same clothes. But it's not in this pursuit of of the technology. It, it ends up most of the time, at least for me now, as a happy byproduct. You know, I have Gore-Tex, I have insulation, I have the stuff that I need for when I'm actually you know skiing or or doing stuff with it. And when I'm when I'm walking around the city. Yeah, it's nice to be to have Gore-Tex sometimes, but I, I think people are sometimes quick to be very rigid with um, their their rulings around what is tech wear, what is technical, what is that, and I find those conversations to be tiring. I've learned tech wear is a word you can't say around the grailed community. Like, there's no proper way to frame it. I remember when um, Leslie Zhang did her article about, oh, yeah. you know, tech wear orient- orientalism. She got so much hate. You just can't talk oh, about gosh. tech wear online. Yeah, I, I need to reread that article because I I remember when I first read it, uh, really not liking it. And then I remember revisiting it, like, two years ago. And my takeaway was that, like, there is, like, a really, really good article in that article that just is, like, a little too jumbled around by um, some kind of unnecessary discoursey bits. But, like, the, the question of orient- Orientalism in techware is, like, not only prescient, but, like, really interesting to dissect um, and super relevant, I think, now. Um and and I that that article was bound to get pushback no matter what. Like you can't mention techware around the, the Grailed community. Like let alone uh, you know questions of systemic injustice and appropriation like that. I think would be met with a, you know an equal level of uh, skepticism. Like you know look no further than any comment on like a hype beast or Heisno post that features like a woman and they're like my God you know how could this happen to our you know our precious hobby. Um, but there, there is, I think, a lot of not only like appropriation, but also I think a lot of misogyny wrapped up in a lot of what some of the um, older ilk of the of the techware scene online would would be, um, you know, that that would be kind of pushed onto people as they were entering the hobby. I think there's a lot of folks, myself included, who like things like Arcteryx and Acronym, who then wind up in uh, communities of people who you know, claim to, you know, like the same things or very well may like the same things, but come at it from a perspective of, all right, we have to be 100% technical all of the time. And, uh, you know, fashion is, uh, you know, gay. And, you know, the only thing that we should, uh, you know, the only thing that we should be concerned with is turning into this kind of, you know, Captain America super soldier decked out in Arcteryx leaf and Gore-Tex. And um, I think that that that's worthy of skepticism. We need to embrace the the homoerotic under undercurrent of, of male fashion communities. No, I I hundred percent agree with that. You know, I think when that when that is actually functioning, I think um, that makes for a good community. Um, and I think one of the issues, well, this is the question I have when it comes to techwear. Like, is there something in the nature of kind of the techwear aesthetic and techwear brands that has this white orientalist misogynist element? 
or is that this kind of like artificial circumstantial byproduct of the communities? Um, and I think when I look at Acronym, which is kind of still the, you know, the quintessential uh, techware brand, I think it'll always get categorized like that, no matter, you know, how much things change. It doesn't really, it's hard to link that to, to the community because I think what acronym really is, is it's like this, this interplay between something that just like seems very um, kind of serious and intense and aggressive and something that's a complete joke. Um, and I think like that's like, that's captured so well, if you're actually like, looking carefully at, at even like acronym.com like the poses they have random shots that are just silly the the descriptions are just a bunch of memes right. um and i think yeah it's important to be, mind that interplay you know when when looking at this sphere of fashion how's your assassin drone math these days it's great yeah it's great ever ever since i sold my j1b it's it's really really improved <laughs> I, you know, I, it's a, it's a great, it's a great point. Uh, and I, and I wonder also how much of a lot of my conceptions of the capital T techware world, um, are just because a lot of my engagement with it is on the internet and a lot of the internet is pretty gross. Uh, and especially with things like, um, with techware and how that, uh, can diffuse into like you know, Discord communities and Reddit communities and such is that a lot of the origin points for that are just like 4chan and Sufu, like a message boards and such, which I think are are almost by default going to be a more male-dominated uh, space. And so when that then, you know, goes from this like super niche male-dominated space into a sort of public forum with an open invite link that says, hey, come on in. We're all just going to talk about this kind of stuff. Um, how the kind of the, the people who were maybe there the earliest or the people who were the most vocal can end up kind of dominating the entirety of the conversation and make it seem like the opinions that are held by some are the opinions of the broader community even if that is by no means the case well I, I try my best as a community leader to to avoid these kind of dynamics but i think they're <laughs> inevitable i think that's just you know that's just that's just what comes of the structure of these communities yeah and, you know i think there's something you know it's these brands that um they're so i mean they're so I don't even know what the what the wording would be, but you know they're inseparable from the internet, right? And just just mixing the internet and fashion is just it's just problematic because the internet has all this all these dynamics and all this toxicity. Like, of course, it's going to seep into fashion. Right, right. That's that's I think totally true. Like, you know, you can only be on the internet for so long before, like, you know, people are just going to be shitty, uh, and that. You see that happen also in like it's not it's not a problem relegated just to techware. It it definitely stretches through other communities and subcultures. And you see it like on, on Instagram, like you know, with, with anyone posting kind of fashion stuff, if they have an looks ass. following. Yeah, looks ass, right? <laughs> yeah, right. So yeah, with techware at least the uh, the toxicity can come straight from the straight from the source. Um, God, that was so that is that is so funny. 
Um, and yeah, there, I mean, there's going to be drama, you know, all of that stuff. I, I think it's just, it's going to happen. Uh, but I think a, a lot of the, I think the, the way that a lot of the newer people um, into the scene can assuage some of the perhaps imposter syndrome or anxiety around like, am I techware enough or whatever, is just to sort of say like, you are, it's fine. Like, wear what you like. I know it's so trite at this point, um, and probably for some will come off as, like, you know, annoying to come from a guy who has, like, you know, cool clothes or or whatever. Um, But, like, I I don't know. You know, you can really... It's a lot... Everyone looks better when they're wearing stuff that they are comfortable in and that they appreciate. Um, And I think people will sometimes try and force themselves to get into tech wear because they see it as like a cheat code or a roadmap of how to develop a wardrobe that will be cohesive and useful. And so they kind of go through almost like a, you know, a shopping list of what you should get before you hike Kilimanjaro. And then they just get, you know, their (laughs) Gore-Tex and their, you know, shoulder pants and whatever. And then they there may very well be fine in a rainstorm, but they could be, you know, they, it might just not be what they want to wear. They would rather wear, you know, a pair of slacks or a dress or whatever. Yeah, I, I think it's like where I see most of the tension, especially online, is when someone tries to conform themselves or conform the community to what they're actually into, right? Like you see it all the time with these dudes who like get all of a sudden super into acronym and are buying like everything right. from the latest drop, right? Like those are the dudes who clearly aren't comfortable with what they're wearing right now. And like that's the source of tension in my opinion. Yeah. I also I may have to go back to gatekeeping acronym. I uh I, I what's your what's your plan for that? I don't know. It's uh man, it's I can't I can't looks now ass. start looks <laughs> ass, just comment looks ass on everyone's posts. Um It's a lot of no, posts. I, I'd be, uh, it's a little tongue in cheek. I don't, I'm not actually going to gatekeep, but like I, especially now with Sakai plus Nike collab all in the span of a couple of weeks, like there is a world where things like spring, summer 22 or fall, winter 23 get so much more attention and so much more eyes on it that it actually becomes more difficult for people who like myself or like, you know, a little, like have been doing it for a little while, um, makes it a lot harder to actually get the product. And that's, that's what I always like to avoid. You know, I'm all about sharing information and all about getting people kind of caught up to speed. I'll talk anyone's ear off about the things that I like, as I'm sure anyone who is listening will, you know, understand. But I, but I also take, you know, I, I get annoyed when it's like, damn, like this brand that I like buying and I like wearing um, because they, you know, in this quarter ended up with more attention just becomes unacquirable or requires like a 2x markup. Uh, And that's like, there's no balance for that. There's no way to actually accomplish that. And the people who are going to get into acronym now are not going to do that because like, I was the one giving them the information, like, they'll get it from Sakai, they'll get it from Nike, or they'll see, you know, whoever posted. Um, but because the people who follow me are probably all, already know what acronym is and either are into it or are not. Um, but it's a difficult balance, right? Like, how are you going to be inclusive and, you know, welcome people into a brand that I think does require a fair bit of background knowledge to even understand what the fuck a P31 whatever the hell is. Um, but then also be like, all right, but like, can you please just let me buy this when it comes out and not <laughs> make me need to like bought a release for a pair of pants that already costs like as much as most people's rent? 
Um, I think that's one of that's one of the many problems. I mean, with acronym in particular, and I don't I don't really I can't blame anyone for it, but I think a very high percentage of it is just sitting in the bag and it's literally never been opened. And I think you know I think a very high percentage of acronym customers are collectors. Yeah, and and I understand the the collection mindset and and try my best not to begrudge like there's plenty of people i know and that i'm close with who have acronym items that they've never worn that they've bought and are like saving it for a rainy rainy day i guess haha (laughs) um but but i also i i think that there's just as much a contingent of people who um see a big release uh from a brand that's getting a lot of hype and they just say yeah i can you know put a you know thousand dollar two thousand dollar charge on my credit card and then try and flip it on grailed and there's also a reason why things like the j28 gt or the j64 ts from fall winter 2017 when they do pop up for sale very frequently i don't know if either of you have taken note of it i certainly have brand new with tags never worn still in bag full pack like i've seen over the last like you know six months i think like three j28s get posted from that season that have been that are unworn and it's because that was the season that really popped off and like sold out instantly. Everyone was real jazzed and hyped on it. Um, and there is a world where that you know kind of happens again. Although at least from what I've been hearing, there is higher production numbers, and so that'll hopefully uh, assuage some of those problems. I think it's it's kind of this. It's like this. Uh, I don't know this cyclical thing where you know people buy it whether they're new or ogs and then they see how much it's reselling for or they see that it's holding its value so then you know they don't want to wear it yeah and 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 that too i it's also difficult to begrudge because you have to you've got to get your bag sometimes those are the incentives yeah right and so like if someone ends up buying you know some some jacket and then they see like the sakai sakai is a solid example you know someone buys a three thousand dollar sakai bomber and then they see that they can make five thousand dollars selling it on grail like that is a pretty substantial incentive um for them to to sell it and i think you know this is uh everything always comes back to the the kind of it always comes back to the fact that like you know how are how is any of this possible under capitalism you know how is how is anyone supposed to uh to really indulge in a hobby like this and to see it as a hobby when there is not only such monetary investment needed but also that the commodity that you're that you're acquiring um likely or has the potential to uh hand you a very large incentive to sell it and to make to make money off of it yeah i mean that is the contradiction you know that it's a it's a commodity and it's a you know it's a tangible object uh, with you know real real world functionality back to the lack thing and this is completely tangential and random but we're talking about acronyms so i'll just bring it up which is um the actual product um is the bag and the sheet yeah yeah really I, and I, I think I think people who are deep into acronym, some of them have gotten over it, and that's kind of when you've transcended, <laughs> ascended, right? But even people who are deep into it, it's just it's it's something is just wrong. It's just not it's just not the product when you don't have the bag and sheet. Yes. What do you do about the J sixty five in that case when it doesn't come with a bag? That's what's good about it. 
Yeah, and it's why, like, the Neiman stuff, too, like, that that most of the time, and I think unless you ordered it from the mother site, never came with a bag and spec sheet. Um, another another item that has transcended. Like, it just... I, I, I love that take, you know, about... I, I, I agree. I completely understand mm-hmm. it. I ordered, you know, when I, I got uh, P31s from uh, 18 Montrose, and, and it didn't come with the bag and spec sheet. And I had this moment of, like deep personal conflict like am i really going to reach out to some poor overworked customer service representative to ask them if they can give me a fucking plastic bag and a piece of printer paper that says information about a pair of pants that i already have with me that also is entirely available on the internet like there's nothing on a spec sheet that isn't accessible especially now now that there's like plenty of resources for acronym online maybe you can make the argument and you know, 2011, that that wasn't viable, but like whatever. Now it's you can get everything. Um, yeah, no one's no one's like reading a spec sheet for information. Of course, you don't do no that. one. I keep on my yeah. nightstand, like, <laughs> yeah. a nice portfolio. Yeah. I, I actually, flip through I, it. They're good, good bathroom reading. I fold them all up into wallet size, and then I and then I tuck them away. And if anyone asks me what I'm wearing, I just pull it out and hold it up <laughs> and and show them the the spec sheet and make them it's read. It's like everything. a business card. Oh, what's a gravity pocket? You ask. I'll show you. <laughs> throws my phone 20 feet across the room do you have any intention on proposing with the gravity pocket oh that would be a power play actually that would be pretty good um i don't know how kindly emma would take to that although it may be uh it would have to be kind of theatrical you know maybe like a nice kind of waterside uh, you know beautiful view and i just say you know, we've been together for a long time, and uh, there's something I've been meaning to ask you, and then proceed to inadvertently shoot the wedding ring into the middle of a lake when I try and... Uh, and then you jump in in your full acronym. And then I jump in in my full acronym. We, yeah, exactly. And oh, then, no. And then, the challenge. Oh, yeah. And by the time I've swam, swam back to shore, she's just gone. But your TikTok That's... numbers are doing great at that point. Right, right. Yeah, I would, I would have to have a videographer there. Oh yeah, TikTok, yeah. man. That's that's a whole thing too. Can talk about that forever. Yeah, I think acronym packaging is just like luxury packaging for men. Like insofar as like women keep the Hermes box when they buy their Birkin, you, part of the product is just a bag. I don't know why. I mean, Kobe and I are both like guilty of this. We both emailed Kit asking for the bag and spec mm-hmm. sheet for the H five. I thought we. Were, I thought that. I, I, first of all, I didn't email them. I, 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 thought, I, thought, that, I thought that. I thought that was a joke. <laughs> but you know, I, I think it's oh, funny. Oh, I need that like, for sure. I need that, man. What'd they say? Did they not even respond? Yeah, they never got back. They to blocked me. his email. Like, oh, yeah, 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 I'm cool with that. They don't even have like customers. They they don't even have customer service. Um, but it's funny how like at this point, online like retailers are vetted based on whether they'll send the bag and sheet or not. Yeah, and so so I think a lot of that also is. Um, there, there's part of it that I think is a testament to acronyms brand image. The fact that because it is expensive, because it is in fairly short supply, every little thing for it, like there's a bit of intrigue in everything that they're doing. Um, cause they're also, they don't have a marketing, you know, their, their marketing is all just sort of whatever Errolson is posting or whatever kind of peripheral acronym people are um, are showing and and that's it and so when you do see like oh you know this little acronym tidbit or you know the the boxes that's another even more than the bag and spec sheet people keep the boxes because it has the tape 
It has the acronym yeah, yeah. branded tape on it. Um, what and is it? Lancy Air? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, that for, for some is like, you know, it, it gets the, it scratches the itch. And it's also a reason why I think to maybe a more positive or not or more optimistic spin is like part of why I have found that acronym is like the one brand that stands the test of time. Acronym and vet memes, quote me on that. The only two brands <laughs> that I'm still interested in all these years, all these years later um, is is that it, you, there's kind of never a dull moment, you know, and it's why people would prefer to get, um, you know, an MK1 or or like some $400 mod for their acronym bag um, than Orbit Gear or then uh, another brand that's making a sort of uh, Texas webbing uh, attachment. It's because it doesn't have the aura. It's like almost a... Uh, it's it's almost like a McLuhan esque point of like the the medium uh, of of just an acronym item is like carries with it um, such a statement about you know the the sort of exclusivity meets futuristic meets dystopian utopian vibe you know it's all very there are so many elements of it I feel like you could analyze it just like for hours this is okay this is another another uh, one of my best acronym takes which is that. The the number one technical property of acronym is to produce memes, <laughs> and I think that's like that's that's I think one of the things that kind of keeps the brand intriguing. It it keeps keeps the hype flowing. It maintains people's interest, and I feel like you know when uh, Arelson is kind of feeling a little like you know the, the brand's not getting enough attention. Or he's feeling just a little sexually frustrated or something. He just he just he just drops a bomb. He drops a bomb, and it's like everyone's all eyes on me. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't think it's like he can't be canceled. And it's just yeah, it's just it. All it does is just further further the brand, further his, you know, his beautiful beautiful bald head. His beautiful bald head. It's so it's so true. Part partially, I think, because the acronym world and like the consumer base is fairly well connected with one another uh, and and small as far as big name like you know Nike collaborator brands goes. Like Arcteryx, I mean Arcteryx acronym is is coming at it with I think probably the most closely knit following um, or or up there for sure. And so when you're right when when Arelson posts something, it's like. Everyone and their grandma sees it in like 10 minutes. You know, it's just instantaneously gets blasted out everywhere. Um, and because he himself is such a character, I think that, and, and is so clearly like the face of the brand, uh, it definitely does subsist itself. You know, people can always kind of rely on, oh, well, you know, Errolson will always kind of be doing something uh, that, we can, that we can kind of keep our eyes on. Well, you know, I, I hate to say it, but I love to say it, but Harrelson, he's not really wearing acronym that well these days yeah. in terms of in terms of the fits, but also in terms of just uh, his kind of swag levels. Yeah, he's been at this point in time. All. I, I understand. Like, I, I always sort of I'm, or I'm at the point now where I usually just kind of trust the vision because I'm like. There was oh, yeah. a, there was yeah, a time when I got vision. yeah you got to trust the like I got the P38s and I was like I'll never wear these with all the zippers undone because when Errolson does it he looks so it looks so dumb I, it's not my thing uh, and then meanwhile like I'm always wearing it like that because it actually does look pretty good and and I and I appreciate it so that and I also I you know it's funny too because I think with Errolson and like you know with with the whole looks ass thing that I think is very funny is like 
that's not, that doesn't stop anyone who was going to buy Acronym from buying Acronym. And like, no, anyone, it makes it makes people want to buy it more. It, it really, kind of, right? I don't want Orbit after this, yeah. right? Like, it, I think it does because it it makes it like you know it it almost maintains the underground nature of the brand. Like, you know, you never see. I guess other than that one time when uh, who was it when? Uh, oh my God, what's his name? The, he's a rapist. He's a piece. What, what's his? Uh, Lord, um, oh my God, he's an ASAP guy. What's his name? Oh, I can't remember. Oh, uh, the Vlog yes, guy. Yes, ASAP uh, Bari, Bari. Bari. Yes, it was when Bari commented on sober young Walter's post. Uh, yeah, you're, you're making my shit look whacked. <laughs> Take that off because he was wearing a pair of Vlog <laughs> shoes. Um, like that. It's rare. It's very rare when a designer just is like commenting like random bullshit on people's social media. Like it's so unique i suppose like if for i guess to just say it like as sort of non-judgmentally as possible it's a unique move uh and so it definitely um makes it more exciting i don't know i i found that to be just a fun little moment of like keeping acronym in my mind and it, it clearly was like or maybe not clearly but likely um was able to get some people thinking about getting acronym nikes that maybe weren't because it you know was just all kind of going down <laughs> oh you know oh this this designer is commenting on this dude's photo click the link and then it's you know oh hey nike release drops in two days interesting these are actually all right and then they buy it wasn't the the person who's like it was a young person right like maybe yeah. a teenager it was probably some he's a nike plant like, yeah I, yeah i could see that yeah right right it was a, a nike, nike plant. plant he's not real yeah. it's the i think the nike stuff it's kind of like the target market for it is like really old people <laughs> right and then and and it's and teenagers right the, the only yeah. two yeah yeah people with a lot of money and people with no money yeah mm-hmm. That's that's it. I I I have need to get mine. I need to wait to see. Um, the shoes? Yeah, the shoes, the blazers. What color did you get? Um, I got the black and white one. I just yeah. I mean, acronym. It's proven to be just a font of content and uh, discussion. So I'm I'm glad we got into it today. Yeah, and I I feel like there's still a, a good bit on the cutting room floor. Like it's been, uh, you know, we've we've gotten to touch on a lot of like really interesting acronym and Arcteryx related phenomenon. But I I also if there's interest, you know, if people found this to be compelling, um, there's room for a part two. Uh, there's I think a lot more that um, could be said about uh, the direction of valence and also how. Uh, how acronym kind of comes into the fold and how things like system a were very quick to bring in Errolson as someone who they said, Oh yeah, he, there's a, there's a legacy there. Like, you know, Errolson has had his hands in stuff on the Arcteryx front before, uh, and, and how that will, uh, who knows, maybe, maybe come into play again down the line. Um, I guess it, it just remains to be seen how much any of them want to involve themselves with one another for like another big project. Uh, yeah, I think I like this foreshadowing. You're, you're making you're it really easy it for us to market it. Yeah, it's like yeah, I think that, yeah, it's really interesting. I think they're yeah, getting yeah, just coming up with ideas about kind of how this space can be furthered. Yeah. Um, but one thing I, I will not promise our listeners is um, actual product discussion. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's true. It's like we it, it and this is 
was kind of briefly touched on earlier when we were talking about YouTubers um, and like fashion content on YouTube. But I think the the weakest um, or the the thing to talk about when it comes to clothing uh, in any medium other than like literally written word where you're writing about it. Um, you miss out on so much of, uh, of what actually makes it interesting and you get bogged down in um, what could easily be conveyed by a spec sheet. You know, like, yes, the, there are a lot of pockets and there is, you know, these technical properties, but the interesting stuff comes in, like, how one in, engages with it, both in terms of how they're wearing it and also how they kind of engage with the, the brand itself and the community that has obviously been fostered around it. You know, as Errolson himself said, um, you have to be able to look past the product and um, it's not about the product, it's about the process. And that's, that's what we strive for here. <laughs> not buying acronym is more acronym than buying acronym. Yeah, and just talking about the memes is more acronym than buying acronym. <laughs> yeah, the only thing less acronym than not buying acronym is buying anything other than acronym. I couldn't even follow that. Yeah, yeah, this is me me writing copy for Errolson and you know, ten years from now. Be like, you should you should tell this fourteen year old that he looks like shit too. Yeah, you should do his social media. He's kinda of gone off the rails. I think you could you could do the, the yeah, the insults and the shit storms better than him. It's just I need more followers. Yeah. I wouldn't mind if like Errolson told me my fist looked like ass or something. Yeah, so I love true. it. I feel so good. If I ran social media for Errolson, it would just be I, I would just try and emulate him as much as possible. I'd just be posting like photos of Kitty, like, you know <laughs> that, that's it. I would not want to look at those photos. <laughs> just me and me and Kitty. I don't want those on my phone. Being like, you know, cheesing with the peace sign. <laughs> you know. Where Kitty's in the she's in the NG four AK. Oh, and that's and, it. And he's in the NG four PS and it really speaks to the problematic nature and of the relationship. Oh my gosh, that is really a phenomenon. <laughs> yeah, I like the I like his um toxic comments better than his Instagram com- than his content. Thirsty ones. Yeah, yeah. That stuff is just no so one cringe. It's so much more cringe than his like like clear like other cringy behavior <laughs> that's his only content that makes me want to buy acronym less because i was like what part of the, these proceeds are going towards errolson thirsting more all a hundred percent a lot all of them yeah, a lot. <laughs> yeah. and he has jesus just has more money than god at this point yeah he's he's feeling himself <laughs> literally okay all right this has been great thanks so much for coming on dave it was fun. Yeah, thank you again so much. This was really a blast. I um, genuinely feel like if there's uh, if there's interest, uh, a round two is in order. Agreed. Agreed. Awesome. I'll talk to you folks again soon. Thanks a lot for listening to the podcast, and thanks again to Dave for coming on. Keep an eye out on our social for our upcoming content and more info about the Raining Chumps hoodies. RainingChumps.com and at Raining Chumps. Thanks again. Bye.